innovative Often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it Make it way harder for them to follow What I take it Hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious bruh I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk You painted skunks You played enough I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight WHUPLP Hillsboro, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, and I am Jeff Shaw. And you may be able to tell, or you may just know from talking to me, that I'm recording the show remotely again this week. I'm still doing a lot of work travel and uh, going to be out of North Carolina until early July, which is really unfortunate because there's a lot of very exciting things going on. A couple of those exciting things I want to mention. U.S. Grappling Richmond is going to be next weekend. That is June 25th. And uh, so everybody should register and get signed up for that. Jiu-Jitsu Theater, a couple weekends after that. Uh, we will post all the details on our Facebook page uh, so you all can check that out. And finally, July 23rd, still a ways out from, but uh, it's the focus of our show today, is Pro Jitsu 5, which is going to be July 23rd in Wilmington and also live on pay-per-view. Two of our guests today are going to be athletes that are competing on Pro Jitsu 5, and one of them, Becky Lee Austin, has a really interesting personal story. She started out as a competitive softball player, as you'll hear, Division One athlete, had a devastating injury, but is now back, both doing jiu-jitsu competitively and fitness modeling, so we'll talk with Becky for about 10 minutes for our first segment. Amber Senke, who many of you know from local uh, tournaments and superfight cards, is a purple belt who is also competing on the Pro Jitsu card. She'll be competing against Kim Rice, my teammate from Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina. And we'll talk a little bit with Amber about how she got started training, what Jiu-Jitsu does for her, what she expects from the match, and more. And the last interview of the day is actually a replay, but it's one that both fits with the, te- the theme of this show and the timing. That interview is with legend Michelle Nicolini, who is one of the greatest jiu-jitsu competitors of all time. Uh, this past Mundials, just a couple weeks back, was her last World Jiu-Jitsu Championship. And in fitting with the theme of strong women in jiu-jitsu, I thought we'd rerun the Michelle Nicolini interview uh, because I don't think enough folks got the chance to check it out the first time around. And I want it to get a little bit more exposure. We'll talk with all of these people over the next hour. In the meantime, get at us and let us know what you think of the show. We're on Facebook at Cageside Radio, on Twitter at Cageside WHUP, and on Instagram also at Cageside WHUP, Cageside Whoop. One segment I'd like to do for upcoming shows, especially given that I'm on the road and training in places all over, is the etiquette for being a visitor in a jiu-jitsu gym. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and so I'd like to interview some local folks about their thoughts about what the proper etiquette and the way to comport yourself in a new gym should be. So I may reach out to you to interview you, or if you have an idea about who'd be a good voice for that show, do let me know. And we'll remind you as the show goes forward. Without further ado, let's talk to Becky Lee Austin, a blue belt in jiu-jitsu who trains at Combat Club in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So we're here with Becky Lee Austin, and Becky is a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu who has her first super fight at the uh, Pro Jitsu 5 on July 23rd. So let's begin by talking about how you got started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Well, it actually started about five years ago. Um, I was in a really tough spot in my life. Um, my husband is um, a United States Marine, 
and he was wounded in combat. We also um, had just had our second son, so it was kind of a lot of craziness all going on. And um, I was having trouble dealing with, with life in general, with everything that was thrown at us. And I decided that one day I just wanted to uh, start training, and I found Combat Club uh, located in the Jacksonville area here. I originally went in for sort of like a kickboxing-style martial arts, Um, But once I got there, there was a group of ladies that really kind of uh, drew me into the the mat for some jiu-jitsu, and from then on, I fell in love. So I started training, and of of course, it became very addictive, and uh, I just kept training more and more. And your your instructor at Combat Club is Chico Santiago, is that right? Uh, What's it like training with Chico? Oh my gosh, Chico is awesome. Um, They actually, kind of funny, they call me uh, Mini Chico. Just because uh, our styles are very similar, um, you know, we're, we're both uh, at the bigger end of our categories. Uh, we have a lot of uh, strength and things like that. Um, but his classes are great. You know, he, he uses a lot of differentiated instruction. I mean, he'll make it individualized for each student on the mat. He will show a technique, and then um, as we're drilling it, he walks around and just um, works with individuals on, hey, you know, it might work better if you try it this way. You know, little tweaks can help somebody really get the technique down. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's pretty awesome that he does that. He also, I know for me, like, uh, he'll, he'll just watch me roll and kind of pick up on my style. And then he actually gives me techniques. He will go research or come up with techniques that work for the styles and positions that I prefer. So I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that jiu-jitsu has been a really positive influence in your life, but you also have a, a pretty impressive athletic background. I understand that you're, you've, been, uh, you've been playing competitive softball for many years. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I actually played uh, Division One softball in college, and then uh, once you get old, they kind of make you play slow-pitch softball. Um, nonetheless, it's actually, I think it can be a little more challenging because uh, it's, it's such a hitter's game. And uh, we travel almost every weekend um, playing tournament softball somewhere. We go up and down the East Coast. Uh, we even travel over to Vegas. So um, that keeps me uh, quite busy when I'm not on mat. And unfortunately, uh, I understand you had a pretty significant injury that kept you off the mats for a while. And can you tell us about that and uh, how your, your rehab went and that sort of thing? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, about two years ago, I was playing in a tournament. Um, I was playing in the outfield, and I dove for a ball and landed incorrectly. And um, I, I actually broke my femur. I tore my ACL. I had to tear my PCL and my meniscus. Um, so it, it was a major, major surgery that I had to go through. Um, I actually have 18 anchors in my femur. And, um, you know, I was out of softball for about six months. Uh, but the doctor would not clear me to roll jiu-jitsu for over a year just because of the, the torque on the knee, you know, the, the twisting, turning, that sort of thing. Um, he said we really needed to get that time to recover. Uh, but during that recovery process, um, you know, I had physical, physical therapy three times a week, and then every day I was working just so I could get back to, to doing the sports that I love. Um, it was not an easy recovery process, um, you know, just something simple as trying to get your legs straight uh, was probably the most painful experience I had with it. Um, I had a machine that had to, you know, straighten and bend my leg every day. Eight hours a day I had to be in that. Um, so it, it was a really difficult time for me as an athlete, but um, it's it really helped me grow, I think, and find new ways to uh, move and work. 
um, so that I don't bother that knee again. Knees are so important, and I can't imagine how difficult it was for you as a high-level athlete to have to endure that that kind of rehab. And for those of us that, you know, you're a relatively new blue belt, but a lot of people don't realize that the, that you were undefeated at white belt, as I understand, and just had to take that time off to make sure that, that your body was right for uh, for returning to, to jiu-jitsu competition. Yes, yeah. So I have not competed in jiu-jitsu in over two years, um, pretty close to three years, actually. So that's, that's uh, kind of scary going into this super fight, you know, not, not competing recently, but... Um, yeah, like I said, it is, it's not an easy injury to come back from. I know, um, I know a lot of athletes who, you know, have just quit certain sports after having a major injury like that. Um, and like I said, you know, there's, there's things that I could do before that just now don't work for me. But it's finding a, a balance of, you know, figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. How are you preparing for this match? You know who your opponent is, but I don't know if you scout your opponent. I don't know if you train any differently than you would train for an, a, a standard jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you approach that process of preparation? Um, I actually, I'm, I'm not really big on seeking out your competitor. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that in sports, you know, it's really a 90% uh, mental game. And so whether I'm doing a Naga fight or the super fight, I'm going in with the same mentality that I have to bring, you know, everything that I, that I have and, uh, definitely requires me to step up the training. Um, you know, during, during class, we'll work on new techniques and that sort of thing. Uh, but Chico along with, uh, some of my other peers always stay and work with me. And I mean, we will be on the mat till 10, 11 o'clock sometimes, um, putting in overall, you know, three to four hours a day um, training. With that being said, um, I can't do that every day. You know, I'm a mom and a wife and with softball on the weekend. So when I get on the mat, I, I really need to put in, you know, as much time as possible. And it has to be a focused time. It can't be, you know, sitting around and chatting about this or doing that. I mean, when we're on the mat, we, we are working hard. So my body's feeling that. <laughs> I imagine. And you and as you mentioned, you just have a lot of things going on as a jujitsu athlete, a softball athlete, a wife, a mother, and I understand you've also uh you're also a fitness model. Yes, I am. And that uh you know, that working out every day is another way that um you know, I, I kind of use as therapy a way to, to deal with life. Um weight training is my absolute favorite. Um and I love to help anybody any way that I can with that. You know, I have so many people that um, I will help them come up with a workout plan or teach them the proper way to do lifts. Um, but I also, you know, like I said, it's something that I practice daily. That's, that's one of my, you know, activities that I, I really enjoy. And um, about three years ago, I got started with fitness modeling, just doing a shoot. Um, down in Florida, I'd actually paid for the shoot. I kind of wanted to document my journey and how far I had come. Um, after I got the shots, it came back amazing. Uh, that was with Sarah Marshall. And then after that, I had some other photographers who contacted me and, you know, wanted to start shooting together. And from there, it just took off. I um, I got really lucky and started working with an athletic clothing company, Hang Right Athletics, um, along with some other, you know, opportunities that um, they, they just come along and I jump on them. So, I really enjoy doing that as well. It, it, it keeps me busy as well. 
What does your fitness and athletic training schedule look like on a typical week? Do you take any days off at all between all you know, the athletic and fitness enterprises that you do, or do you just kind of work all seven days? Well, um, Sunday is usually my family day. Um, the only time that that will change is um, sometimes the softball tourna- tournaments are larger, and they will be a two-day tournament. Um, so if that's the case, then... I will usually take Friday off um, before we travel for the tournaments and that sort of thing. Um, but if I'm only playing softball, you know, on Saturday or if we have an off weekend, then Sunday is my day to, to just relax. Um, but I do weight train at least five days a week. I usually, like I said, we'll take a Wednesday or Sunday or Friday or Sunday off. And I also have Wednesday off from weight training. So, um, my cardio, I usually do hit cycles. I'm not a big fan of uh, running or, you know, sitting on a machine for 45 minutes. That just uh, bores me. So um, I do about a 20-minute hit cycle along with the lift. And then, um, you know, softball, we usually play two days a week as well, like Mondays and, and Wednesdays night. Wednesday night we play. And then um, jiu-jitsu I train Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Do you find that your weight training and your softball helps you with jiu-jitsu in some way, or, or is there not a lot of overlap between those enterprises? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things, especially for this fight, is endurance. And, um, I mean, there is no time limit for, for this fight. So um, I need to have that built up. And I really think my background, you know, playing eight softball games in one day when it's over 100 degrees outside, I mean, that's, that's one way to help uh, build up your endurance. And uh, weight training, I mean, the strength that I have gained over the last three years. Um, you know, many people tell me that there's not many females who can can even touch my strength. So that, you know, not only builds the physical portion, but also the, the confidence for the mental aspect that I feel pretty good going in with it. What would you say is the thing you love most about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Oh, my goodness. Um, there's so many things. But, you know, I, I have to say my most favorite is um, the family-like atmosphere that we have. Um, when I had my injury, you know, not being able to be on the mats for over a year, I remember the first day walking back in, and it was like we had picked up right where we left off. I mean, everybody at Combat Club and the other gyms that I have visited are just so welcoming, and it's this bond um, within the sport that, no other sport has. I, I don't even know how to put it into words, but um, it just, it, it feels good when you're out on the match. You know, even if it's something that you're not understanding or you just can't get, the people that are there to help and, and help you work through it and push you and have confidence in you, um, it's just the best feeling in the world. So how can folks who want to support you uh, watch your match on July 23rd? They can, um, they can go to pro-jitsu.com, and if they're local in the area here, they can purchase tickets. It's going to take place in Wilmington. Or if they're not local, then they can purchase the uh, live pay-per-view stream right through the website there, and I believe that's fifteen ninety nine. And also, I mean, if they would like, they could follow me on Facebook. Um, my name on there is Becky Lee, so they can follow along there, and there will be links to, to the fight through there as well. We'll have links on our Facebook page uh, to both Becky's Facebook page and to where folks can buy the pay-per-view just so you can get out and support if you want. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that you think the listeners ought to know either about you, about your training, about pro-jitsu, or anything else in the uh, martial arts world? I think we covered it all. I hope that everybody can uh, come out and support. It's going to be pretty exciting.
Becky Lee Austin, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Jeff. Also competing on Projitsu 5 July 23rd is going to be Amber Senke. Amber is a purple belt at Swamp Fox Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and competes against Kim Rice. That's sure to be an exciting match, and we asked Amber all about it. So we're sitting here with Amber Senke, a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who has a super fight on the next Projitsu card July 23rd against Kim Rice, a purple belt from Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina. Why don't we start? Uh, by letting the listeners know how you got started in training and where you train and how long you've been training? Well, I've actually been around Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about four years, I guess, but I've never really caught on to training it. Um, I got introduced to it through John Shell, who has Shell Shock BJJ. And he was like, you need to try it, you need to try it. And I just didn't. But then a couple of years later, I thought, you know, I need to get in shape. Not really feeling good about myself. I found out about Swamp Fox Jiu-Jitsu in Florence, which is where I live. It was five minutes from my house. So I just decided one day I was going to go and try it. And there was one female there. And um, it was actually her first day back from an injury. But she worked with me, and I was hooked from that point forward. I started going three times a week, and it was four times a week, and then it was every day. I just became an addiction. <laughs> um, but I've been training for um, almost two years. And had you trained any martial arts before you got into jiu-jitsu, or were you doing any other kind of athletic, physical activity before you started training? Um, no, kind of. When I was very young, I took some karate, and I don't remember much of it. I was probably 10 or 12. Um, I was a swimmer in school, and I played some basketball, but that's about it. I didn't really have much of a sport or competitive background. And I'm 36 years old, so this is kind of coming late, I think, for me. What do you love about jiu-jitsu? Why, did, why do you think you did get hooked on it? Well, um, originally, it was really cool to watch my body change. I was losing weight. I was getting fit. I was feeling really good about myself. But the jiu-jitsu piece of it was um, I felt like I had uh, an opportunity to defend myself, uh, be more confident and strong just as a woman. Um, And as a person in general, I'm a single mom. I was divorced, freshly divorced at the time. And um, it just, things started making sense. The classes were um, were tailored towards um, just one little thing at a time, learning one little thing at a time until you figure out how to make it work for you. So um, it just snowballed from there. So what's it like training at Swamp Fox? <laughs> it's uh, pretty cool, actually. It's a really good family environment. Everybody is welcoming. Um, it's easy. To, it's an easy environment. We have um, we have classes every day, and there's always something for everybody, for every age group. It's intense. It's um, always something new. Um, we have belt level, all different belt levels. A lot of of brown belts. We have one brown belt female. We've gotten a lot more females in recently. Um, the past year or so so it's growing um but it, it's it's pretty cool i would describe salt fox as 
as a family environment that's just easy and fun. So those of, those of us that know you, not from training with you, but from the competition scene, know that you've had a series of super fights. You've had a couple of memorable matches with Sarah McMahon, uh, Olympic gold, our Olympic silver medalist wrestler and accomplished submission grappler. And I'm wondering what you could tell us about those matches. What did you take from those? What did you learn from them? What was your experience like there? Well, with Sarah specifically, the first time I actually got to grapple with her was at an exhibition match when I first got my blue belt last year I was it was my first competition and uh, she happened to be there and of course everybody was like oh there's Sarah McMahon so when she agreed to do the super the exhibition match with me I was shocked and quickly realized how very strong and powerful she is um, so that match didn't last very long um, I did actually better than I thought I would but I was kind of in my head like oh wow I'm grappling with Sarah McMahon this is like a really cool thing so, um, that experience, actually, watching the, the footage back, or the video from that match, I realized I had some, some holes in my game. I wasn't using my hips well. I um, was just playing it really safe. I was leaving my arms open. So, I actually took some things from that match, and it, 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 I trained better, more, because of it. When I got to super fight with her for pro-jitsu, for Projecty 4, um, I, I had more time to, to prepare for it. I knew she was a wrestler. Um, I knew that she had good jiu-jitsu. And so I went into that match just learning what it's like to be a wrestler. I didn't want to learn how to be a wrestler. So I just wanted to learn what it was like to, to grapple with a wrestler. So I spent a lot of time with other wrestlers and learning their movements and the pressure that they can give and trying to simulate what it would be like rolling with her. Um, so going into that match, I was the second match. I was better prepared for what she was going to be able to offer me. What would you say is the most memorable jujitsu match you've had to this point? Well, by Sarah, I think it's probably the most memorable, um, and then besides the match with Sarah, I would say probably my very first jiu-jitsu match. I'll never forget it. It was, I, I, my first jiu-jitsu match was at IBJJF in Atlanta for the Winter Open. It was my first tournament, and I don't know why I chose such a big tournament to be my first one as a white belt, but I did. In my first match, I, I won, and I remember everything about that match, so... It's probably the most memorable outside of Sarah. Mm-hmm. Let's turn to your uh, to your upcoming match, uh, which is July twenty third, and that's against Kim Rice. And you've never have you ever competed with or rolled with Kim before? I've never competed with Kim or rolled with Kim. So, are you the type of person that scouts your opponent before a match, or as in you know watch YouTube or, or, or talk to people? Or it sounds like you prepared for Sarah in a certain way. But I'm wondering, are you the type of person that meticulously prepares for a specific opponent, or do you just show up, do your jujitsu, and and, uh, and and sort of let the game unfold? No, I somewhat prepare. Uh, it's just a super fight I do for tournaments. I just show up and I roll, and I hope that my jujitsu is good enough. Um, for a super fight, because I know who I'm going against, it's kind of hard to not want to find out information about him. But I've known Kim's name before I even started doing jiu-jitsu. 
I've I've seen her grapple before just at other tournaments where I was watching higher belts roll and she happened to be a match at one of the tournaments. So um, we also have mutual friends and uh, I try not to to go to those people because they don't want to talk about what their friends can and can't do. But I have watched some of her YouTube videos and I have tried to figure out just what style of jiu-jitsu she has so that I can be prepared for what she may do. So how are you preparing uh, for this match differently than you might train for other matches, or are you? Are you just training and uh, in the same way that you would prepare for any match? I'm actually training the same way that I would prepare for, for any match. Um, I'm, I train on the same schedule that I always train, which is as much as I possibly can. The only thing that I'm doing differently right now is I'm asking my teammates that are heavier than me or um, higher ranks than me to push me hard so that um, if it's, I want to just suffer through it during my training so that by the time I get to Kim, it's just going to be nothing. It's going to feel like nothing compared to what I'm going through at training. That's probably the only thing that I'm doing a little bit different because she is heavier than me. And she does have more grappling experience than me, so I just I want to push myself a little extra to be prepared for that. Do you have a game plan for the match, or uh, you know? And you know, I know you probably don't want to reveal everything, but like, is there a general thing that you expect from this match? I expect it to be aggressive and um, just quick. A lot of movement uh, from her. I. I I just expect her to want to get get me down and on top of me. And basically, my goal is to try not to let that happen. I, I want to stay on top. I, I really want to be on top of her, and I want to try to get that submission quickly. So for those of us that haven't seen you, gra- or for the, some of the listeners that haven't seen you grapple very much, how would you describe your own style of jiu-jitsu? Would you, you think you're, it sounds like you, you're more of a top player, but... Uh, uh, but um, do you consider yourself more of a, a guard passer, guard puller, or do you consider yourself well-balanced and just try to be well-rounded? I'm working on being well-rounded, but I think that most people, the feedback that I get is my guard is good and my half guard is good, so I do stay on bottom quite a bit. I'm comfortable there. I can do a lot of work from the bottom, so I think currently I'm probably more of guard, half guard, um, I do, I'm working on transitioning to more of a top game, um, I just, yeah, I'm only a couple of years into this, I'm still developing that part of it, so. I'm not a guard puller though, <laughs> I've practiced it before, but I'm not that good at it, so I don't know if going into this match, I'm gonna try to pull guard on him, or if I'm gonna go with one of my, uh, takedowns that I've been using since I was a white belt. Mm-hmm. Well, it should be a really exciting match. Both of you are aggressive competitors, like you said, that, that both go for the submission, and so I'm sure it'll be entertaining to watch. If folks do want to watch and support you, um, how can folks see the match? Uh, they can go to the Purgacy page and uh, click on the link for the pay-per-view. Um, they can also come to Wilmington, buy some tickets. I have tickets available, and uh, they can come watch it in person. 
Our last interview of the day is one that I feel really happy and proud to have conducted. Michelle Nicolini is an absolute legend of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, many times world champion, and is now turning her attention to MMA. This was her last world Jiu-Jitsu championship. She got a silver medal before losing in the finals to Mackenzie Dern, who is the next generation of, of women's jiu-jitsu and was just an outstanding performance and the capstone to an outstanding career. I felt really fortunate and honored to have the chance to talk to Michelle uh, down in South Carolina earlier this year. And for those of you that haven't heard that interview, here it is. Why did you start training jiu-jitsu at first? Hello, everybody. Um, I started training first because uh, I always liked to fight, you know, and my mom... Uh, put me in a capoeira is like a Brazilian martial arts and then I was practicing I really liked it at that time I was young like 14 and um, I was training I was training capoeira for four years and then my coach he moved to another city and I couldn't keep training I didn't find a nice place to train and then um, a friend of mine who was living uh, here in US he by internet, and he said, ah, you should try jiu-jitsu, it's very fun, and he was, like, starting with jiu-jitsu here, too, he was blue belt at that time, so then I went to, Bra- I was in Brazil, and I went to a class, and then I started training, and since the first day, I never stopped, <laughs> really like it, it was so challenge. What do you like most about jiu-jitsu? I think it is this challenge, you know, I know, like, a big guy could smash me, or... But with technique, it's so nice how sometimes the strength doesn't work too much, you know, or doesn't make difference, you know, if you are intelligent, if you can think about the techniques, the way that you move yourself instead you move other people, you know, the, the person that you are training. So I like because every time they block one, then you have to think about the second option, the third option, you know, about the submissions, and it's hard to put all together sometimes, you know. Especially if you're a beginner or, I don't know, until you have your planned game on your mind, you know. It's very, very, like, uh, I felt like when I started training, people used to, like, beat me up a lot. And then after, like, a couple class, you know, we start to learn a little bit more and remember the technique a little bit more. And then you want to go back there and beat everybody up, but it doesn't happen so easy, you know. So I always, like, make you think about, it's like... Uh, like a game, eh? mm-hmm. you had to think to to improve. So, in terms of jujitsu competition, you're one of the best ever. You're an IBJJF Hall of Famer. You've won the world eight times, Abu Dhabi champion. Why do you continue to compete? With it seems like you don't have anything left to prove. Mm-hmm. Is this just something you enjoy? Is why do you continue to compete after all you've won? Yeah, of course I enjoy a lot fighting. You know, uh, jujitsu is like I feel like. Uh, this is what I've done for the last 16 years, you know. Uh, so uh, if I cannot train, it's not a thing for me, you know. I stay home and uh, well, I'm missing something, you know. So I train every time and as I feel my body still can go, you know. I don't, like, I'm so lucky, thanks God, too, that I don't have any injury or anything that make me stop training. I feel good to keep going, you know, always motivate because I have to train with my girls. If I like to train for the, the people from my club, for my team. So I feel, why not compete again, you know? I still like, and people always send me so much message, you know, 
like ah, it's so good to see you competing, you know. So I was like motivated a lot. So I'm happy to to be on the mats all the time. If not, I wouldn't go. <laughs> so you had a really memorable match in the finals of the 2014 Mundials against Tammy Musumici, where it was a very close match. You were slightly down on points, and then you caught an arm lock mm -hmm. in the end, and Tammy refused to tap. Do you remember like the feeling in that moment of like when when that happened and what what's your memory of the end of that match? Yeah, I remember that it was the first time that I fought Tammy, and I remember she she came like strong from the brown belt, and we end up doing the final and um, was losing, you know. But I was like, ah, I'm always like calm because I know I can uh, take my time and get my points. But on that fight. I was losing. I think we have one minute left, and then she did. For me, it was like a mistake because when I I see the hook on her back, she hooked the arm. Instead, she stepped back and she keep coming like on top of me, and then just helped me with the umber. Um I felt like in the moment that I had her arm, I felt when it dislocated, you know, the elbow. Uh, looked to the referee and said that ah, it's broken. <laughs> And unfortunately, he didn't stop. You know, I think they should had stop and kept, like ask the doctor to check how was it. But and then I said, ah, oh, doesn't work. I'm pulling already. It's already out. You know, so I had to do something. I was still I'm still losing by points. So like was so like couple seconds I had to realize that, like to think or figure out something to to make my points work you know so then i i went on top on the sweep and feel bad well after when i watched the the, the move and the the fight again and she tried to base with the arm the arm like just you know fell down were you surprised at that time that she didn't tap because i was watching that match from the stands and i was trying to figure out why she wasn't tapping were, were you surprised about that i was very surprised you know but i think um Everybody remembers, of course, when Roger and Jacare they had that amazing fight in 2000, uh, I think it was six. It was like 10 seconds left, then you could hold, you know, but one minute left was a long time, you know, to fight with only one arm. So I think maybe she, I don't know if she saw the time or not, or she said after, like in the uh, interviews, that she didn't feel, you know, the adrenaline in her body was very, like, um, so she didn't feel. So yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised. I let go the the umber because um, like for a couple seconds came on my mind. I don't want to see blood here, you know. Uh, so I just let go and try to think quickly or about some other things to do because <laughs> the umber didn't work. <laughs> and you did end up mounting and winning that match for, for your eighth world championship. Eight, yeah. So, in addition to that match against Tammy, you've had some, a bunch of memorable matches against Mackenzie Dern. Mm -hmm. You've fought a lot of legends of women's jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is your toughest opponent? And what? And do you have a favorite match among those matches? Um, I think one of the toughest girls we used to to fight a lot when I do open classes, Luana Zugir. You know, she's really good, very like uh, technical, and also strong. Always, um, we had some good fights, but she, she's really good. She won many, many times. Um, Bia Mesquite also is like 
uh, we had some fights, like good fights. You, uh, Mackenzie, now she's like on fire, you know, and she's like uh, very, very young. It's good. I like to to fight everyone, you know. I don't have like favorites. I just feel bad because sometimes there's girls that have won against me, and then they don't want to fight me again. You know, they don't give me that chance. So I'm waiting for those girls. <laughs> you mentioned fighting Luana in the absolute. Like you're a smaller person, but you still fight the absolute division. Mm-hmm. Like how do you? How important do you think that is for people who practice jujitsu to do the absolute? Always, I think uh, we don't have enough girls in my t- my team now, or enough girls that want to do the open class uh, in the black belt division. So I go, you know, I'm already there. If I feel like going, so I go. I won in 2007. The open class was our first year uh, that the female division has the open class. It was pretty fun, and after this, we have a lot of good fights in the open. Because um, it doesn't make too much difference, you know, the open or the weight class. Of course, we train a lot with big guys in our club. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have uh, small girls to train all the time, even small guys. So, yeah, we just go and have fun, you know. It's good if you know what you do against someone big and technical. Some people think that competition is very important for training jiu-jitsu, and some people train but never compete. Do you think it's important for people to compete, or do you think it's not important, that, that it's just important for them to train? I think it's part of the game, you know. If you're training for something, if you train, you want to test yourself, you know. I think it's good for your self-confidence. Is it good for your... Also, you're like, um, how can I say? Uh, I think it's just fun, you know. If you train, you go and you learn, and then you have a time to practice this in a big competition. You test yourself, not only there, like not only with the technical or the strength that you have, but you test yourself how to control yourself, you know. Sometimes you go and you just panic, you know. You, you know what you do, but you throw out. You are shaking, you know. So as much as you compete, you learn how this decides you, you know. Just not only about jiu-jitsu, but what if you have to talk in front of a lot of people, you know. Are you, do you keep your calm or whatever, you know. So jiu-jitsu like that, you, when you go, when I, I think like that, when I go there, I have to keep my calm, you know. I had to learn to breathe good, you know, to not get exhausted after, like, the first three minutes. So you learn a lot when you compete. You learn a lot. If you win, you are happy. But if you win, you have it to watch again because probably you did some mistakes. It's not, it's not everybody, uh, every time that you win and you are perfect, you know. And sometimes you win and you don't watch again your fights because... You think you did all good, but if you watch, you're going to see, no, but maybe this and that could be better if I change, you know. So I, I think you just learn a lot if you compete with yourself, with people, with your team, you know, you find the support. It's good. And uh, sometimes it doesn't matter the final result, you know, just the the preparation. I used to do this a lot for my students. I have some girls that used to compete. I don't mind if they win or lose. Of course, as a coach, as a friend, you know, 
I want my girls to win all the time, but if they lose, I like that they change some time of their life to focus on the competition, for example, you know, they start to eat better, to sleep well, you know, to train more, think about the opponents, how many fights. So this is very important for for me, like as a coach, you know, I like to see how they prepare. Do you still get nervous before competitions? And, and if whether you, and, and if you don't, when when did that stop happening for you? <laughs> no, I don't get nervous at all. I'm very like I think I'm very confident, you know. Uh, but I have to be trained. Like if I do everything that I had to do before, like workout, conditioning, training. If I'm eating good, if training like my three times a day. So then I I go there and my mind the only thing that I keep is I train more than everybody here, you know. So I'm ready. I'm here because I want to be here. And uh, so I don't get nervous. I got nervous when I did MMA fights. Mm-hmm. Then everything is new. I feel like a white belt again, you know. So I get shake. I get very nervous. But also I try always to bring it up like let's breathe, let's keep calm, you know. And then, uh, yeah. But for jiu-jitsu, no, jiu-jitsu, uh, let's go. Huh, you were in the final. Okay, nice. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's, uh, I was hoping, like, to show a good fight, you know. I don't get sad if I lose or, of course, I like to win. I still am fighter to win. But if I lose, at least I want to show up good jiu-jitsu. You are listening to the K-Side Concussion Cast. Listening to the K Side Concussion Cat. You are listening to the K Side Concussion Yeah, if, if, if there's a woman that says, Hey, I want to train Jiu Jitsu and I'm looking for a good coach, how do I know what a good coach is and how do I find a good gym? Yeah, I think you can uh, always like search the name is on the internet today and you have a lot of fraud you know it's like sadly but it's like have been happening for some time people just wearing the black belts and they don't know nothing you know even like partners like uh for partner training you know you're gonna i don't know if you have to read about jujitsu you have to see the name is ask people that train you know maybe you send a message or take you a look in the, at the club, at the gym, and another one. Uh, and also see if they treat you with respect. I don't like to see when they just worry about your money, you know. You can pay whatever, but if you are not happy there, for sure you're not going to stay, and they must call you and ask why you're not going to the class, you know, what made you stop training here. If they worry about you, it's because maybe they are good. They are not just taking your money. Mm, if they yell on, yell on you, also it's not good. Some people, they are crazy, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I would, if, um, if I start today, I would, like trying to find Jiu-Jitsu is much bigger now, so you can Google the names. Uh, his black belt under who 
you know, to see if it's real or not, you know, if there's other girls training, beginners, if they have beginners class, it's good, interesting too, you know, because sometimes they're just going to put you there with the lions. And everybody wants, like, just do their best, you know. Maybe they didn't have a chance to train with a beginner before, so they're going to go too hard on a girl, for example. The girl is going to feel, like, frustrated, you know, so she's not going to like too much. Some like, you know, they, they take this like a challenge, you know. But some others, they're just going to, no, it's not for me. But maybe because they took the wrong place or they took the wrong class, you know. If they start with people on the same level... Uh, I think it's important. Why did you choose to take MMA fights? Why did you think that was important for you? Challenge myself, just this. Because, uh, like I said, for Jiu-Jitsu, I'm very comfortable now. Doesn't For people watching, like it, your first question, you know, doesn't change if, uh, if you're still competing or not. You have, like, I had uh, won everything that I wanted. For MMA, I felt like as I had to learn everything again, my stand-up, uh, wrestling, we don't have good wrestling in Brazil, so I never had the good opportunity to, to learn, you know. So it's very challenging to learn something in my age as well, you know. I'm not young as other girls. And uh, I feel like just something that I want for, like, a little bit more adrenaline. <laughs> This might relate to MMA or it might not, but there's sort of a controversy in the jiu-jitsu community between the pure sport people and the self-defense people. Where do you come down on that? Do you think jiu-jitsu for sport is good for self-defense? Do you think it's also important to train the traditional self-defense techniques? I think if you learn the basic jiu-jitsu, you know, you already learn self-defense. And I would love to see all the girls learning some basic jiu-jitsu, you know. Sometimes you focus too much in self-defense and, you know, don't doesn't really work like that on the street, for example. But I'm sure jiu-jitsu could help people. And also, like, is make you strong, you know, mind strong, you know. Like, I don't know, I just feel like jiu-jitsu is the best one. <laughs> so, uh, like, a few years ago, there was a controversy about Metamorris when I thought that they were pretty disrespectful to female fighters. Mm -hmm. At first, they weren't inviting women to have matches, and then when they did, they didn't offer them as much money. Mm -hmm. And uh, is that like, how common is that experience in jiu-jitsu for you as, as a woman who does jiu-jitsu? Is that, mm -hmm. is that something you expected? It was, something that, was it something that disappointed you? Yeah, I was very disappointed because they invited me to, to have that fight with Mackenzie. Uh, and then I thought it was like a great show, you know. We spent a lot of time filming. The guys uh, flew to Brazil, spent some days with me and in Arizona with Mackenzie. So I thought it was like a very professional show and I was happy to be part of, you know. Nothing bad to say about that show, the time that I fought. But after this, they just, you know, disappoint me so bad that I stopped to follow them on Instagram and don't want to hear about, you know. I know a bunch of guys, they didn't get paid, you know. So this is just like, ah, now they pay attention because they didn't pay a bunch of the guys, you know. But what about when the the guys were talking, the metamorphs were talking, like, ah, I'm not going to take a girl, they don't bring up the show, you know. They don't put money on the show. What are you know, why? Oh, I think they they start disrespect us a lot 
when they oh, not on metamorphs but all the shows that don't put at least one MMA, uh, female fight you know I think it's very despair we are here we are like so brave fighting for a, a small space you know a small spot on the media and then they do like a big show they get attention of everybody and they don't show any female fights it's very like I feel really sad for them you know and they're not gonna support this kind of organization. What was your experience like with Polaris? You had at least one fight with them, right? I had two. The last one I lost to Cesari in a very fast fight. Uh, but they are really good. They, the show is growing. Last edition was um, in October, yeah, last year. And I really like this kind of show, you know, they, they invite not only famous people right now, but back in the day when, the, like, uh, in the last edition, we had Shaolin, we had the Robinson Mora, you know. So they try to mix a little bit the old generation with the youngest. So I like, I like Polaris a lot. They are very respectful for the athletes. Um, the show is, like, funny. The people are funny there, like, very... I like to be part of that show. So when you're not training, what's your non-jujitsu life like? What kind of, like what, what kind of hobbies do you have? What, and uh, I want to I wanna ask about what kind of music you like because I'm curious about what walkout music you picked for your fight yeah. as well. I like Brazilian songs when I'm in Brazil. Some like, uh, actually, Bro Junior is a, used to be a, a band from my city in Santos. Um, but all, most of the Brazilian songs I like, and, and Americans too, of course. We listen a lot to American music in Brazil. Uh, Why well, I'm not training? As I don't live in the same city than my parents, than my family. If I'm not training, and uh, like on the weekends, I like to go to their house, to their city, so I drive to there, spend the weekend with family. Like my best uh, non-training hours, you know, stay with family. Um, I travel a lot, so as much as I can, if I'm in Brazil, I go to their house, or I like to go to the beach, to hang out with my friends, that's basic things, but not like, not, I don't like to party, like go out too much, you know, just like regular things. <laughs> You mentioned earlier that, like, when you're training, you really commit to eating well. And I'm wondering, like, when you're in serious training, like, what's your favorite recovery meal? What kind of foods do you like to eat? And do you have a favorite cheat meal when you're like, oh, I just really like this and I want to eat it? Eggs. <laughs> Eggs every day in the morning. I like, uh, um, usually I had to cut about two kilos for the jeets or a little bit more for MMA. One kilo and a half for G's, two kilos. But I think I eat pretty health. I don't eat sweets. I don't don't eat chocolate. I don't drink sodas. Um, I uh, almost a year ago I stopped eating a lot of things because I'm challenging myself, you know. Um, but yeah, I try like eat health like as much as I can. Salad a lot. What else? Breakfast is like eggs, yogurt, fruits, 
and coffee. I'm very addict with coffee. <laughs> all kind of coffees every day, all day. And lunch usually is chicken. I don't eat, I don't like red meat or pork, any kind of red meat I don't eat. So pork, uh, so chicken or fish every day. Um, I use like a lot Japanese food. Sometimes Italian too, you know. I'm not so restricted. If I if I feel like I want ice cream today, I'm gonna get it because I feel like I eat very clean. Once in a while to have something like that, it's not bad, you know. In Brazil, you have a kind of peanut peanut uh, sweetener we call pasoca, and it's really good. I like it too. So it's my like, I don't need chocolate, but I need pasoca. <laughs> What what were your early days training in Brazil like compared to training now? What's the biggest difference between training in Brazil and training here now? Now I'm here for like uh, for some traveling. I'm not training for a competition. So uh, actually here in Charleston, I was training twice a day and lift weight. But if if I'm teaching, it's different than if I'm training for a competition. In Brazil, I just focus on my training. I don't teach. I used to teach uh, like private class or stuff like that, but the last few months I wasn't teaching, just training. So I think the intensity of the training changes a lot. You know, when you are teaching or when you are getting ready for a competition, you push a little bit more, of course. You're going to work on your issues or... Um, so I train in Brazil I start working out in the morning then I have almost two hours of jiu-jitsu then I have a break to rest and another hour of jiu-jitsu another hour of jiu-jitsu yeah we do a lot in Brazil much more than when I'm in travel so that's why before the competitions, the big tournaments I have to have my base or in Brazil or now or in um Long Beach with Lauzinho, Checkmatch. Mm-hmm. And so either one, I, I stay for like at least two months and then I can focus only in one competition. You've been really generous with your time and I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if you have a favorite jiu-jitsu story that you want to leave us with, anything from the old days or just a, a fun thing that happened that you think is one of your favorite moments in jiu-jitsu? I have a lot of good memories of jiu-jitsu, of course. I have like some moments like I use always to say to ask Leozinho, my my coach, that wanna fight in one competition with him. You know, we are in the same same uh, fight, same show. And then we fought in 2013. We fought in China for ADCC, and then he come ah, oh, you see now you're in the final. You you want me to. Uh, you want to find the same event than I, so now we, we are here. So happy, you know. was like something that I always wanted. Also, I had a good memory of one of when I got my... This year, I completed 10 years black belt. Yeah. In, in 2006, I was fighting in Brazil. The final of the world was brown and black belt together. And I was losing for a black belt. She got me in a choke, and I don't know how, but I look out and I saw, like, and uh, back in the day was Braza team, were very, very big, and they are all, like, singing and getting crazy because uh, the match was very close, and then she put me in a choke, 
and then I looked at them and it gave me some like something that I had to escape from that choke. So I escaped and then I got the girl, I think in a triangle and I won the, my first world champ as a, I was brown but the brown black belts together was very very good memory too. And a lot of things when you like travel a lot for competitions everything happens. It's like always like good to be around people. They are so fun. Before competition, everybody looks like serious, and after people relax a little bit more. You know, I think I never had problem with anybody in jiu-jitsu. I like everybody, girls that have fight. You know, it's good, good life. <laughs> I, I think that the, the lessons jiu-jitsu teaches go well beyond arm bars and sweeps. I think initially everyone who joins a gym. They're immediate. What, what makes them walk through the door is like, oh, I don't want to get beat up on the streets. I need to learn how to defend myself. The self-defense aspect draws people in, right? It doesn't give them to stay. Eventually, that's not enough. I think the social and the technical aspect of jiu-jitsu will give them to stay. I have my friends here. This is my second family. I love the jiu-jitsu lifestyle. This is fun. I learned that armbar. I hit it the other day. That sweep was amazing. I can do it now. But I think ultimately, the, the, the main lesson that jiu-jitsu teaches is one that is one of humility. You get beat every day, there's always someone better than you, you're never done learning. And these lessons are, to me, are more valuable than arm bars. So that's our show for the week. As always, you can let us know what you think. You can email us at cagesidewhoop at gmail.com, get at us on Twitter and Instagram, cagesidewhup, or on Facebook at cagesideradio. We're going to post links to Pro-Jitsu, to Jiu-Jitsu Theater, and to U.S. Grappling Richmond on the, on the Concussion Cast Facebook page. So if you're interested, you can register for any and or all of those tournaments. And uh, we will see you next time.